Blog Talk Radio. This is BC Radio Live with Philip and Eric. Live online at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. Aloha! Tonight on BC Radio Live, we are dispensing with introduction music until we resolve a technical glitch. We're also going to chat with Drew Olinoff of Strands.com. He is a social recommendation tech guru. We'll also speak with uh, Michael Maloney, author of Guide to Investing in Gold and Silver. Today is Wednesday, October 29th, and this is a Halloween slash Election Eve edition of BC Radio Live. The chat room is now open at blogtalkradio.com slash bcradio. The live video feed is now running. I'm Philip Wynn, button pusher for BC Radio Live and chief geek at BC Magazine. And I am joined tonight by BC Magazine's founder and publisher, Eric Olson. Uh, Lisa McKay is away tonight. Hello, Eric. Philip, how are you? I am doing quite well. So where are you on the election now? What what are your thoughts? We have, uh, I believe, uh, we have till quarter after. Although, if uh, Mr. Olinoff is listening, feel free to call in sooner. Sure. Um, our our uh, our book guys have taken to not booking prior to quarter after, and I'm not sure why, but wasn't going to argue about it for this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean the election. You know, this has been kind of an interesting cycle. I uh, uh, I'll I'll go ahead and be political. I suppose this is the one week when I I should properly be political. Everybody's in a Political frame of mind, what with a half an hour uh, infomercial from Senator Obama tonight, and the election this coming Tuesday in one week, we should hopefully <laughs> know who will be the next president of the United States. Uh, or I, I guess I should say that we will know by what margin President Obama will be the president of the United States. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. This this election cycle, very early in the cycle. Um, when Senator Obama announced he was going to run, uh, I didn't know at that point who the Republican candidate was going to be, but I, I thought, you know, I think Senator Obama's the guy I'm going to vote for. And I, I tend to be, I mean, I consider myself somewhat independent, but I also, I've tended to vote Republican more often than not. But uh, obviously there are a lot of Republicans who uh, have abandoned the party, or as Reagan once famously said about the Democrats, I did not abandon the party. The party abandoned me. So uh, as, a, as a more or less Reagan-esque Republican, I, I've not been happy about a lot of the things I've seen in the last eight years, or specifically the six years of Republican control of the White House and Congress. Uh, together, they managed, to, uh, they, they managed to, to, to drive things into the ground. So I figured that uh, Senator Obama looked like a good bet, a lot of, uh, a lot of good things, obviously a, a uh, herald of a new day in uh, American race relations and also just an incredibly savvy politician, seemed like a, a guy I, I could support on many issues. Uh, but then uh, Senator McCain won the Republican nomination, which kind of surprised me. I supported him back in uh, 2000, and when uh, the Republicans shanked him, that's actually when I went, uh, I went third party that year because uh, I didn't like Senator Gore either. Um, so then that was, that was tough for me, and, and really I think a lot of the initial luster of Senator Obama, the idea of running as a, as a real outsider, as an agent for change, kind of wore off. I, 
I took a closer look at his record, and uh, there are there are many, many, many things to admire about Senator Obama. Still, I mean, I, I still, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm even tempted uh, to walk in there on Tuesday and still vote for him. Uh, but in the end, because I, I am somewhat of a conservative guy, uh, you know, it turns out that that the policies end up being a little bit more of what I would expect from a, a relatively liberal politician. So I ended up uh, switching my allegiance to McCain. And then, and then, just because this has been a wild election year, uh, we had a, a bit of an economic crisis hit uh, Wall Street, as you may have heard. And um, immediately the candidates seemed to fall all over each other with uh, – in one case, running back to Washington, and in another case, making some pointed phone calls to the Congressional Black Caucus and some other uh, leading Democrats. And um, both Senator McCain and Senator Obama put heavy pressure on Congress and, and helped to uh, to swing this bailout package on the hold. If, if at first you don't succeed, vote and vote again, uh, second attempt. And uh, that that frankly just annoyed me so much that I, I pledged at that point to vote for neither candidate. Uh, if, if any of the candidates had, for example, voted against the bailout or called for a vote against the bailout or abstained, then that would have been the candidate that won my vote. I became a single-issue voter at that point. Um, and so up until, up until about a week ago, or even just actually probably less than a week ago, I figured I'd go in and vote for senators, congresspeople, local races, so on and so forth, but not vote for the top of the ticket. But then, finally, uh, someone asked for my advice, like, you know, real legitimate, you know me, give me details, why should I vote for one or the other? And in the course of typing up what ended up being, I think, like a nine-page email, I, I ended up deciding to, uh, to vote for Senator McCain again by, by about, you know, one point. Like, I think, I think my total count ran, like, 11 to 10 points in favor versus points against type type deal. So there you go. I plan to vote for Senator McCain, kind of hold my nose and vote for Senator McCain. And uh, it won't matter because here in Texas, Senator McCain will win in a walk. Uh, but, um, you know, overall, Senator Obama is going to win it in at least a walk. So there you go. There's, there's where I'm at. You asked, I answered. Well, way to go. That was That was five minutes. Uh, uh, well, that's interesting. I, I'm uh, I, I I entered into this uh, kind of starting over again as well. I actually, for the first time in my entire life, uh, voted for Republican for president. The last two times, voted for Bush. Hard to believe, but um, there's. I still feel deep down, uh, I mean, the, all the issues, all the problems are real. All You know, mo most mm -hmm. of the fundamental complaints are legitimate, and sure. it is clearly time for him to go. But I think that he will end up, with with the distance of time, some of the personality and the goofiness and, and all that stuff will wear off and, and won't be as in the forefront of people's brains 50 or 100 years from now. And, of course, we don't know how it's going to go in the Middle East. You know, right. if if the war uh, ends up being something that we at least don't 
lose, which right now it it looks like that, uh, more or less, whatever that means. It's hard to say, but um, things have certainly improved. Um, There does seem to be some momentum um, in positive directions, and violence continues, but at a at a lower rate, you know, who knows, there can be extreme eruptions at any time and sure. and you got to look at the medium to the big picture. But if that process, which we, if we don't lose, uh, quote unquote, and if it does begin a process or at least be on a, a, a continuum, uh, at least it be plausible that it's part of a process over 20, 50, 100 years where the Middle East does modernize, um, you know, they should, people should retain their religion, you know, I'm not an anti-religion guy by any means, um, you know, I, I, I certainly have... You have a degree, you have a degree that suggests at one point you uh, you took it pretty seriously. Well, I have I was I have a minor. I have a minor in religion. Yep, yep. I was a, a major in political science, philosophy, and a minor in religion. And I think religion is very interesting and interesting to study. And and I'm I'm interested in the. Well, but before you move on from this point, I just want to say I mean I I agree with you, and I didn't really touch on that. I guess I I mentioned that I'm upset about the, what the Republican Party has done to the country, and I I think I have to say that from the perspective of someone who used to care quite a bit about the Republican Party. Uh, unlike, you know, like you mentioned that you voted Republican for the first time in 2000 and 2004. Um, I didn't vote Republican in 2000, uh, but I did in 2004. And, and uh, I mean, I, I remember the Republican Party of, of my youth, which, you know, would be the 80s. And um, I, I'm frustrated by what, you know the the current crowd, and I'm speaking here both of the the Congress and the President, have done to the party. Um, but but judging them, you know, kind of stepping back and judging, say, President Bush on the same kind of scale as I would judge, you know, President Clinton or uh, President Bush or President Reagan or President Carter or so on. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that when that that Bush's reputation will be based almost entirely on how we end up viewing this war. If the war is viewed in the long run as a success or a moderate success, then I think people will will view President Bush uh, reasonably well. I mean, with with some clear fault, communication is is an issue with him. But overall, um, you know, he's, he's done reasonably well if, as if if the war is viewed successfully, if if it's viewed, you know, if we lose it, like you said, then yeah, then then everything else is is based entirely on that, and he he does, you know, join the the bottom the, the bottom ten or top ten worst presidents list that everybody seems to think he heads. But yeah, I, I think time is gonna is gonna smooth that over quite a bit, and I don't think uh, he's a lot of it style, not substance. I mean, you got to give right. him credit one way or the other for being. Steadfast. I mean, <laughs> it could be horribly steadfast, you know, if it, <laughs> if it's all wrong Stubborn, and it yeah, all goes yeah. to hell. But but man, in the face of you know eighty percent disapproval, the guy has stuck to his guns, and I think ultimately right. that will be 
more positive than negative, at least specifically regarding the war. Hey, I noticed we have Drew on the line. Uh, it does the, look like we do. So let's, What I was uh, going to conclude with really briefly is um, I sure. think Bush will end up looking better than he does now. I mean, how could he look yeah. worse? In the long run, uh, you know, I hope he does because I supported the war. That's basically why I voted for him twice. Uh, and I like McCain. I've always liked McCain. I like McCain a lot. I kind of was assuming that even though after the last time, the last election, almost immediately after I said, man, I'll bet you anything we're going to see a major swing in the country after, you know, eight years of, of Bush, and, and not just Bush, but, you know, Republican rule, I, we're going to see a big change where the nation will go Democratic. I predicted that. I, I, it appears that I was right about that. Uh, and, and even so, I was, I was thinking that I like McCain, but, man, the, his campaign has really depressed me. It's, he's yeah. kind of gone against everything that he – I thought, anyway, he stood for, and I, I like the like, 2000 McCain a lot better than the 2008 McCain. <laughs> yeah, and I, there's a lot of things that I really do like uh, about Obama. It's less the policy stuff, like you said, less policy stuff than kind of more like sea change stuff, and the sure. fact that he's really smart, he's really young, he's energetic, and the world will look at us very differently – um, and, and I don't want to pander to that, but I suppose we need to acknowledge the reality. The world will look at us in a much kinder light uh, if he is elected. Yeah, here, here's a little book shout-out before we, uh, we move on to this first segment. I know Drew is waiting patiently. I, I tell you, I, one book, I've I read a, a number of books trying to just kind of get an idea of where America is and the shape of history. There have been a lot of uh, books written by folks trying to understand, you know, the uh, – the end of history, the world is flat, that sort of thing. Uh, one book I recently read was uh, God and Gold by Walter Russell Mead. Um, and he makes an interesting case that uh, basically suggests that what we've faced over the last eight years is, is more or less of a part with what, what, he, calls the, um, what he calls the maritime order. He, he would argue that the Dutch, England... Uh, the U.S., Canada, I guess Australia, kind of formed this this sort of, uh, you know, maybe it started as an Anglo-Saxon alliance. Obviously, it's not it's not racial, it's not, uh, you know, um, physical in that sense, but it's more of a cultural thing. And you know, his basic argument is that that uh, it's not an empire quite like you've seen before. That it's an order that will probably, you know, last for another few hundred years if people don't lose their their will, and that uh, it will always, more or less, with a couple of you know minor short-term exceptions, be hated for its success. So, do we have to be hated as much as we are right now? Heck, no. <laughs> uh, will we always be hated to a certain extent? Uh, it's it's quite possible. Anyway, it's a great book, even whether you agree or disagree. It's cleverly written, well reasoned. Um, yeah, it's called envy. Russell. Called envy, man. <laughs> There's some of that. There's some of that. All right. Well, we are uh, we are actually now at 15 minutes after the hour. So this is BC Radio Live, live every week at BlogTalkRadio.com/slash/BCRadio, and co-hosting with Eric. I'm Philip. Well, it seems that everybody these days has accounts everywhere: uh, Flickr, Facebook, uh, Last FM, Twitter, Delicious, YouTube, Dig, and so on. I've got all those and probably a few more. 
After a while, it starts to be difficult to keep track of them all, and you can end up missing all sorts of activities from your online friends. Plus, how do you find new stuff? Our first guest, Drew Olinoff, believes he can help with all of that and also help take things to the next level with Strands.com. Welcome to DC Radio Live, Drew. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. No Our problem. pleasure. <laughs> you saved us from further I, political I discussion. I was riveted by the discussion sitting here wearing my Obama hat. I love really? it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, I, I try to stay away from politics in part because normally there are three hosts to the show. Lisa is uh, unavailable tonight. She is okay. a uh, lifelong Democrat and firm Obama supporter, having early, okay. early supported Hillary and now switched to Obama. I, like I said, I, I tend to be Republican, though not ardently so. And uh, right. Eric goes back and forth. So we, we tend to stay away from politics just to make sure we all get along. But, you know, the elections are <laughs> less than a week. We couldn't help it. <laughs> it makes for great discussion. Right? It makes for yeah. great discussion. In the end, one week from now, we will all still be Americans. And that which uh, will. I honestly believe that that which unites us as Americans is greater than that which divides us as Democrats and Republicans. But uh, no. sometimes it's and, uh, hard, to, hard to remember. <laughs> And not, and not to do the uh, and not to do the self promotion thing, but actually, well, that's why uh, you're here. Strands. That's why. No, no, I'm I'm here to talk about streaming things and sharing things as a whole. But seeing things coming into strands about, about politics and seeing you know where the divide is just so interesting. Um, yeah. And uh, watching it on Twitter is just amazing. Every time there's an event or a debate, uh, just it's it's pretty cool. What do you see, as an Obama supporter and as a guy who's really dialed in uh, to, to what's going on you know, with the social networks, obviously, you've been, a, mm-hmm. you've been an, you're an, evangel- you're an official evangelist. As well I as am an official evangelist. As well as community manager. What, what do okay. you see, what is the essence of, Obama- I don't mean political appeal as in, okay, yeah, I'm going to go vote for him, but what do you see as the essence of, uh, this whole new level of of celebrity and excitement that Obama is bringing. What what do I don't you think, I, I don't think it's new. I, I think he's this generation's John F. Kennedy. Um, I think in a time where we're pretty much the laughing stock of the entire world because of George Bush and uh, how he's dealt with other countries with relations with other countries. Uh, I I heard one of you say that. He's definitely someone that's more palatable for the rest of the world. Um, and I, I think people feel like they could approach Obama. They could hang out with him. They could talk to him, just like Bill Clinton. Um, they could have a conversation and ask him what kind of underwear he wears. Uh, whereas McCain, not so much. They don't really relate to him. And um, it's, like I said, he's our John F. Kennedy, and it's, it's pretty exciting to see uh, uh, a lot of young people vote. Uh, hopefully we'll come out and vote. Um, so I just think, you know, the whole the battle cry of change, whether anything really gets changed, we know that politics are way more layered than that. It's not that simple, uh, but just the idea that, that young people can make a difference is exciting to see. And Obama brings that. McCain doesn't. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, why I'm voting for him really comes down to youth and, and energy. Uh, I, I see mm-hmm. it as really important. At least now, I don't always see it as super important that you know, in terms of the age being a relevant factor. But when you have this big a difference as we have this time, and just things like body language and mm-hmm. and, and and ability to focus and communicate, and 
I mean, Obama feels like he's just getting started. And McCain, for all the wonderful things that he has done and all of the honor and, and thanks that he is absolutely due and, and will be, you know, forever. I mean, the guy really is uh, – uh, he's a hero. There's no question about it. Yeah, and I'd love to have him on strands. I'd love to know exactly what he listens to, what kind of music he listens to, what kind of videos he watches. You know, um, I McCain, think be a lot you know, of have a – McCain doesn't know how to use a computer. Come on. Nah. Uh, but, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's at the tail end, whereas Obama is, is ramping up, uh, right. just getting started up that big hill, and who, who knows how high he'll be able to go, whereas McCain has peaked and, and, and is coming down the other side. You know, and I didn't really right. feel that way before, and it's not purely based on age. I mean, you know, the age is a factor. I should say it's not – purely based on chronological age, that's certainly a factor, but it's just seeing right. how things have gone. I've, I've kind of come to the It's a generational thing more than just a pure age. I mean, you don't just do the math and say almost 30 years. It's, it's a pretty significant freaking 30 years that he's, he's you know, skipped. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. It, 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 well, both of, both of my parents uh, have uh, always voted Republican, and both of them have changed their stance. So uh, I think that says a lot, and I think we're seeing a lot of that. But um, it'll be, it'll, we'll see how it shakes out next week, right? Yeah. The only thing I'm, um, I'm really, really, really curious and and have some trepidation about is how much uh, underlying racism are we going to see? You know, is, is oh, well, something going to happen on the on when it comes to pull that? That's a whole. That's a whole other show. That's a whole other show. That's not going to get solved in a week or. Yeah, I, I actually have that's, a question related to social battle. media. I, I have a question mm-hmm. related to social media that that's still politically related. Because I, I have to say, sure. as far as the, I mean, just real quick answer to your question, Eric. The thing that I think will be interesting will be. A lot of the polling models are expecting increased youth vote, increased minority vote, increased, you know, based on what we saw in the primaries, based on the interest we're seeing. That, that's really where the crux, that, that's where the whole thing is going to lie in some of these swing states where the polls are close. Do, you know, is early voting an accurate indicator of what's going to happen on Tuesday or are the people who are so excited early voting and then Tuesday ends up going the other direction? That'll be... Well, 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 maybe we can talk about it next week when it has happened or not. But no, my question about social media is um, one of the things I think one of the things Eric and I have talked about in the past is that mm-hmm. I, I have this theory that it may be impossible for us to ever again engage in a long-term, large-scale war in the age of television. Um, right. You know, Vietnam was the first war that was showing up on our televisions over dinner. Uh, it was the first war we really lost. Um, since then, you know, basically every, every military action in which we've engaged has, has either been short or it's been disastrous. Uh, but one thing we don't seem to have done well is to engage in a long-term military action and, and see that happen day by day and still manage to stick with it. We're too moved by the immediate images. That come that comes back. Even if even if a military effort is worth it, as most people would agree, Afghanistan is, for example, um, we we wouldn't believe so if we saw images coming back from Afghanistan like we do from Iraq. And so, how, how this relates to social media is, I wonder how much of the you know current disgust with Bush 
is due to the rise of the Internet, rise of blogs, the rise of you know, Twitter, uh, even Facebook, things like that, where, where messages get out uh, right. ever so much more quickly and in ever so much more detail. Right. And I, I wonder if, if extending from that, when the disappointment hits, when it turns out that um, you know, Senator or President Obama is not, in fact, sent from the planet Krypton, as, as he recently joked, when, right. he makes, when he makes decisions that people disagree with, is that going to bite him more than it's bitten past presidents? Or, I mean, do you have an opinion on, on how much the immediacy of places of, of things like Twitter and, and so on has changed politics? Well, I mean, you can't get away with it. I mean, you can't get away with anything. That's, that's the first. Uh, information travels at the speed of light and faster uh, these days. Uh, there's an earthquake here in San Francisco. It's tweeted about, it's known about before CNN even talks about it. Um, right. The fact that CNN has invested so much money in iReport um, shows you that citizen journalism, citizen media, citizen opinion is where, where we're going as far as reporting. There's, there will always be room for, for journalists who, who are you know, trained professionals but at the same time, I think you'll see more working hand-in-hand -hand, um, content that you're not going to find anywhere else. And now that people have a forum to share it, I don't think that's going to so much bite anyone, but I think now enters your mind, right? It's like it's in a world of sound bites. Um, if you say something stupid, it's going to be up on a clip on YouTube tomorrow. Or even, you know what, in this case, in this election, five minutes later, you know? <laughs> Literally, literally, something said yeah. when McCain said to Obama that one, that was on YouTube within minutes. It was tweeted within minutes. It was on blogs embedded within minutes. That's quicker right. than newspaper. That's quicker than a magazine expose. It's quicker than a talk show even do. You know, so it's definitely something that has to enter your mind if you're in public office or if you're a celebrity. Um, you know. You could get away with some stuff before that you really can't do. If you're in public, it's, it's going to travel. And that's exciting and scary at the same time because for regular people who maybe get, you know, get a little drunk one night and the photo ends up somewhere <laughs> and there's nothing really they can do about it and a potential employer sees it, I mean, that can, that can bite you and that's where social media could be a little difficult. But when you're public, you're public. So anything you say, it's, uh, you know, it's the property of the public. Now, how many different uh, sites does, does, or how many different streams does Strands incorporate? Right I now, sites. Hopefully, I didn't mention any that you guys don't uh, don't actually uh, pull from. But how many are there well, total? Well, what I'll do first is I'll set up uh, basically talk about our our, uh, our vision for Strands and the idea. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, hey, vision. why don't you tell us about that darn Strands? We're just we're just Strands. That's what we are. We don't have to say what we are. No. We're um, Strands as a company has been around for a couple of years working on recommendation technology, uh, but Strands.com is uh, it's a new breed of site. There's a lot of uh, live streaming sites popping up. You see your feed, you see your social thing that got bought by AOL, and basically it's a way for you to take everything that you share online and bring it into one place. And what we're doing is taking it, taking it a step further in that we want you to discover other people's tastes and find like-minded people that listen to the same music as you, watch the same videos, or uh, things like that. More focused around entertainment, not so much technology. Um, so we're providing a site and tools to do that. 
Um, and the, what, what we do right now is we, we have about 15 services that we, that we have uh, integration with. And those are your Flickr, your YouTube. You can pull in um, Netflix queues. You can pull in Netflix uh, ratings. You can pull in uh, Hulu queues. So you can watch the videos in line. Your friends can watch videos in line on strands. Um, of course, any RSS feeds, so your blog, um, and of course, Pound, and Last.fm, and Pandora. Um, our goal is basically, we're not so much as focused on the service that you use as much as we want you to share your music taste. So if that's through uh, what you listen to on Last.fm or Pandora, that's fine. It doesn't matter what service. So we want to be able to integrate as many services as possible just for that. Because if you decided to stop using Last.fm, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to miss what music you're listening to. So it shouldn't matter what service you use. Right, and that, but that's kind of why I asked. I mean, one of the one of the things that limits uh, aggregation sites, which I know that's only part of what you do. Let's talk about the other sure. part of what you do next. But one of the things I think that limits sites like that is when they 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 aggregate all of the services you use except one. You know, right. so. Oh, hey, Last.fm is great. That means everything I play in iTunes goes. But then, you know, sometimes I, I go work at the coffee shop for the day, and my iTunes, mm -hmm. it's on an external hard drive that I don't take, so I Pandora that day. And if you right. don't support Pandora, you've just missed one-fifth of my music. So exactly. uh, I'm glad to hear that. And, and it's a different listening experience, too. When you're listen I know when I'm listening to Pandora, it's more of a discovery thing. Uh, it's more of uh, new bands and uh, new music because that's yeah. kind of what they do with the Music Genome Project. But when I'm listening to Last FM or listening to things on iTunes, it's, it's music I bought or uh, it's, you know music that I I really really like. Um, so yeah, supporting different services is key, and we've listened to our community and taken all the feedback that we've gotten and, and have integrated a few services based on you know hey we'd love to be able to pull in our pounds. You know, okay, fine. We don't care what microblogging service you use. You use Twitter. You prefer Pounds. Great, whatever. We want you to bring in sure. your your thoughts and your status updates, regardless. And now you mentioned this already, but I, I think so. There are a number of sites out there that aggregate things, and a reasonably tech savvy person can, you know, perform some sort of Dr. Frankenstein style aggregation on his own or her own. Right. Uh, the thing I think that really sets you guys apart is what you do after that. It's this idea of discovering other things, affinities. And, and you kind of mentioned it briefly already. Can you go mm -hmm. into more detail about that? Well, I mean, we do, what we do is, is first off, we, we allow you to filter things out. So if you're looking for things, you can filter it by blog post or just music. Sometimes when I'm, I'm on stream, I just want to know what people are listening to. Um, and that's my focus at that moment. And also, again, since we have a lot of experience with recommendation technology, um, based on your interactions, uh, based on whether you've clicked on a link or given it a thumbs up or thumbs down, we can start recommending things to you that you didn't know about. Eventually, we'll be able to recommend other members of the site based on similar interests. Um, and today, we just uh, uh, launched the first version of Search on Strands, and it was like the number one requested thing, and we wanted to do it right, so we spent some time doing it. So now you can search through and find people that listen to you too. Or my first search that I did was uh, Britney Spears because that's a that's a guilty pleasure of mine, and I'm not afraid to say it. I listen to Britney Spears, and um, uh, I'll stick with you too personally. But <laughs> no, hey, 
hey, it's all about your taste, right? You know, so, should, I, should I admit that I've got a, a little tiny, tiny soft spot for Christina Aguilera, though? No, you know what? Pleasure as well. That's now public record. Someone's going to clip that and share that somewhere, and you're not going to get it. Yeah, yeah that's uh, all right. It, it shows no. up on my uh, online account somewhere anyway. There you go. So, you know, I mean, while you can share what you want on strands, the idea is that you get this steady flow of content that you're interacting with. If you favorite something on YouTube and you have a YouTube account set up with strands, people are going to see that. You don't have to send that, you know, that email that you get with 50 people copied that says, hey, right. check out this video. Um, you know, we're taking the work out of it for you because there's a lot of people who like to share. And if you can make it easy for them, they'll share more and focus on how to share less. Sure. I find this all astonishing and fascinating because at this point in my life, um, you know, I'm I'm certainly a music guy. Uh, always mm -hmm. have been. I'm sitting here looking at uh, in my office. I'm looking at about thirty thousand CDs and mm -hmm. uh, move move the records over to the house. Uh, so, got a lot of stuff, man. And but you know what's changed for me is is it's not so much that I want to hear everything anymore. It's that what I want to hear, I want to hear in the highest possible fidelity. So I've gone the exact opposite direction of the whole online world where it mm -hmm. doesn't come down to it's not a function of sound. You know, the sound is is marginal. Uh I suppose mm -hmm. it ranges up to, you know, okay. It ranges up to okay, I think maybe. Uh but certainly not a whole lot better than okay. Uh you know, anything actually being transported uh, one way or the other or listened to or streamed or whatever online and and for me it's sure I'm I'm I love hearing new stuff I'm always into new things I you know I I'm I'm interested in checking them out but I don't put a whole lot of time I mean I don't even listen to a whole song uh right. you know if if I decide that I like it okay now I want to hear it with my, you know, high fidelity equipment, and that's the circumstances that I want to hear it under. I'm appreciating it from. Um, it's not the technical aspect; it's the fact that it it is being presented so well and in such pristine condition, right. and I'm really hearing all the parts and all this. I just recently got. So this is all pretty new. Are, are, I, are I, you saying, Eric, by the way, that we need a turntable that updates Last FM? <laughs> well, you know, I don't even listen to the turntable much. I, I, I see there's a whole movement now of, of that's back to vinyl and real audiophile, like the super heavy, you know, vinyl or 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 uh, you know, it's all it's it's all really expensive. I, Everything I'm talking about is you know. just ridiculously expensive. But I did just get recently an SACD player, and man, you know, I don't have a lot of SACDs yet. I got about I don't know. 20 to 30 maybe. I'm, I'm kind of picking them up <laughs> like almost daily. I'm, I'm buying one here and there when I, if I find a deal because, uh, of course, they're really expensive. But uh, the, 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 I was astonished by the sound and to hear, finally hear the difference. I mean, I'm 50 years old. I've been listening to music literally my whole life. I got my first record. I think I was eight. I got, a, I got the Build Me Up Buttercup. My first album was Let It Be. I mean, excuse me. Right. Was was uh, was uh, 
uh, Abbey Road. Sorry, first okay. album was Abbey Road. I mean, when it came out, you know. So right. I, I, I was there, and I've been listening to it. I was a DJ for 20 years. I had huge, vast, you know, powerful systems I was hauling all around. But see, that's a different kind of sound. Power isn't the same as clarity and fidelity. And right. I, I'm realizing that now because I still have some of the big, powerful, like, you know, the huge speakers. I with. I, I so think the huge thing is for all gone in the opposite direction. I'm not terribly interested in sharing it or hearing what other people are doing because I have so much input. It's more like I'm filtering because I have access to so much stuff. I got CDs coming in every day to my right. office. I have stuff people are recommending to me without me asking them to do it. And uh, believe me, I totally understand the appeal of this whole. Uh, social networking and the sharing and the recommendation aspects, of course, that makes all the sense of the world because ultimately that is the best source is, you know, you, you, people you trust, people you have similar taste to, or even people you have opposite taste because you can gauge yeah. it from that. It's it's like knowing well, about a writer or a critic, you know. It's like, oh, right. you like Elbow? I will never listen to them. Exactly. Well, you know, there's writers I, who, if they recommend something, man, I know I'm going to hate it and vice well, versa. I think the other point too is not so much. Yeah, there's a part of, part of it that's that's uh, learning and 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 finding what other people listen to. But look at why Twitter is so huge, right? Twitter is so huge because it lets you share the dumbest crap in the world, the stuff that's just on your mind that you want to get off your mind, and it's a way to express yourself. And I think oh, that you people follow my feed? music. <laughs> I think, no, that's my feed. I don't know why anybody pays attention to what I say, but. Um, People music express the mood that they're in. They it's you know how they feel that day. They're listening to aggressive music on a Saturday, but you know tonight they're listening to some Enya, and it's like it's it's a way to express themselves too. It's not so much the quality of it or or that in depth. It's like the simple fact that someone's listening to Christina Aguilera, and wow, that kind of surprised hey. me that they would do that. <laughs> but you're saying, hey, I'm listening to Christina Aguilera. That's what I'm into at the moment. And, you know, I was looking through my stream today, and I saw that somebody was listening to, uh, to a song by Spin Doctors. And quite honestly, I had forgotten that Spin Doctors existed. I hadn't listened to Spin Doctors in years. And the song Two Princes was a favorite of mine a couple of years ago. And I was like, shit, I've, you know, I've got to go buy that. I, well, it I wasn't a couple years that. ago. <laughs> yeah, that was so more was, than was a couple. Ten? Oh, I'm so old. Early oh. 90s. Early 90s. Oh. Yeah, they had one great yeah. album, and then they just... Right. Fizzled, man. Hey, no, they had uh, Cleopatra's Cat off their second album was good, but it was it was just about the only good song. Yeah, that was that that was a step down. That album that was like yeah. nine steps down. You know, <laughs> it's it's too bad because that really was a great album. I pushed it, and that that was right when I was getting started doing. Uh, I had moved back to Ohio from California, and I was doing the only. Uh, a modern rock or alternative rock, whatever you want to call it, uh, show on on commercial radio in all of Northeast Ohio. There, as late if you can believe that, as late as 1990, 91, there still was not a commercial modern rock station in in Cleveland. I mean, it's it's almost inconceivable to me now to think about it. But one came along a couple of years later. But at that time, there wasn't one. So the, so I was doing the only uh, you know commercial. 
uh, radio uh, of modern rock. So I was doing a weekly show, and, and you know it was great for me because it was super popular because no one else was doing it. But I right. pushed that album. I pushed that album hard because it was so good, and it was really different. Right. It was really vibey and groovy, and the lyrics were funny and clever and interesting. And and it was quite different, you know. I mean, it had a little bit of a jam band feel, but but more kind of thinking about it after the fact than when you're actually listening to it. And, and I think and where we are in social media is that everyone is becoming a broadcasting system. Everyone is becoming their own radio station, and everybody's becoming their own newspaper, and everybody's becoming. And I think it's phenomenal. Um, I think it's great that somebody can listen to music, share what they're listening to, and basically they have a radio station. You know. And You're more right. and more people, You're more right. and more people are sharing, and more and more people are putting stuff out there, and technology is helping that, and and also, um, well, you know, culture, you know, the the culture is accepting of this now. Uh, that, to say, you know what, kind of, that raises kind of another interesting question, though. You're you're talking about people sharing, you know, what they're listening to. One of the reasons I've never signed up with with Last FM, for example. So I, I mentioned earlier, I used iTunes. I use Pandora. Uh, people right. who know my instant messenger account always know what I'm listening to. Right. But wider than that, I, I don't keep I don't track it. And part of that is because you know, I've got something like forty thousand songs in my iTunes. Um, mm. and you know, sometimes things come on there and I, I don't want it to be recorded. I want to hit skip before anybody thinks to check my instant messenger status or right. you know, right. something like that. What do right. you do with – I mean, part of the problem, I guess, of aggregating all this information is it's no longer enough for me to hit skip. Now, all of a sudden, it's it's on Last FM, it's on Strands, it's on everything. Well, that right. brings up my point, my, or my mm-hmm. next question, and, and I was kind of circum, circumnavigating around back to it or trying to anyway, is – I agree with you that that is a wonderful thing. Anything that removes the barriers of entry, and I mean, would I be the biggest hypocrite in the world if I didn't think it was a great thing? Since, uh, you know, I've made a living from from running a, a, a what was originally a blog, you know, for six years. So obviously, right. I want those barriers uh, of entry down, and I want people to be able to to, to be broadcasters right. and to be journalists and all that. But right. that brings up. Uh, it's a tremendous glut. How do you filter it? That's my right. question. And that's my personal dilemma. How do I filter this stuff? Because I just don't have that much time, you know? You don't have that much time. Yeah, totally. I, just, I, I mean, I can't take this, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want the fire hose, you know? I want yeah, a, it's the information I, overload. It really is. And, and I think the problem with uh, some pe- the way people use friend feed and sites like that is they follow 5,000 people. And it's like, right. you cannot follow five. That's literally like uh, you're in a room with 5,000 people, and I'm going to tell you, find something out about them, every single person in 10 minutes, all 5,000. You can't. It's impossible. You it's cannot. a small baseball stadium. It's a minor league yeah, baseball right? stadium. I mean, come on. Right. You can't. And the more you try, the more you'll burn yourself out, and actually the less you'll discover. So, I mean, the, my suggestion when people using sites like Strands or Front Feet or whatever is – you follow less people, more than likely follow people you actually know, and use filtering. Filter out. Say, you know what? I really like what Eric listens to, but I don't really like the, 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 you know, what he shares on Google Reader because it's mostly politics. Not into it. Don't really care. 
So I'll filter it out. And you know what? Eric will be my source for music because I love what he listens to. And I like to know what he's up to and what he's listening to. And really, you know, granularly filtering your experience. And you can't do that when you follow 5,000 people. So that's the first mistake that happens. Um, you want to be the most popular on a service. And you want to have the most followers. And you want to follow the most people. What does that get you at the end of the day? Nothing really. Um, if you're really trying to get something out of, you know, a service or get something out of the web, it's um, setting yourself up for success. And the way to do that is figure out what you want to get out of something. You know, I want to, I want to know what you listen to. I want to know what you watch on YouTube and, and things like that. Like I follow my mom on strands to, you know, see what she's doing. Um, but I couldn't follow 1,000 people on strands. That's where I screwed up my friend feed experience. I followed too many people. I thought, oh, this is like Twitter. I'll just follow tons of people, and it'll be cool. And it just doesn't work. Yeah, I don't even way. follow. I, mean, I, I follow. Let's look like 154 people on Twitter, and mm -hmm. I think I need to drop a couple. Unfortunately, they don't all update all the time. So, I, yeah, I and you, I, I pared it down my, a bit too. Yeah, I think you answered my question when you talked about filtering out different mm -hmm. feeds for different people. So, yeah, following such and such as music and someone else's videos and someone else's, right. you know, Netflix queue, et cetera, um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And here's right, an so with that half hour issue. of introductory talk, let's talk about the Guilty Pleasure Survey, because that's what we were supposed let's to Let's talk, talk about. about the Guilty Pleasure Survey. No, we talked a little bit about that, and you don't want to share things. We're finding, we did a survey, uh, 2,000 people did an online questionnaire. It's actually really interesting. 62% um, online adults, they share actions media information um, on blogs and sites like strands. Um, they like to share. Um, we're finding that the most shared type of item are photos. Not exactly sure why that is, maybe because it's easy to do. Do you guys have a Flickr account? Do you share photos? I do. I have both a Flickr account and a SmugMug account. Okay. I have we Flickr, have but it was, I have to admit, almost only for, for business. <laughs> but not only, found, but mostly only. I found that I've used Flickr more now that I have an iPhone because I yeah. get a picture and I, and I email it to Flickr and it goes up. Yeah. Um, but people like to share their photos, so that's, that's a good thing. People go to an event or I guess have a family function. Um, but so 72% of those uh, talk to like to share photos. Um, and then 47% talk about websites that they like. And 45% of people polled talk about their current status which is interesting. I would have liked to have known what that number was a year ago, maybe at Twitter, when Twitter was first getting traction. Because this whole, you know, it's not new to share your status, right? AIM status has been doing it forever. I used to share, like, I'm going out for a beer, give me a call on my cell phone. You know, I would have that as my away message or whatever. Um, so that's pretty interesting that people are talking about walking the dog and all that stuff. Yeah, with, with, um, but with Facebook and Twitter, I mean, it, it becomes... Yeah, it's mm -hmm. really widespread now. As far as the guilty pleasure stuff, uh, most most people's guilty pleasures are television shows. Um, you know, they, there's a television show that they really don't want to admit. I know a lot of guys who watch Sex in the City, and I wish they would just admit it. It's okay. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. In fact, my friend Adam Ostro, editor-in-chief at Mashable, he likes to watch <laughs> The Hills. He likes to watch oh. The Hills. And he's tweeted about this. He's very comfortable with that. So... Here's somebody, you know, he has a guilty pleasure, and what we're finding is people are, are, are willing to share their guilty pleasures. But the reason why they don't is because 39% uh, of them say 
that it's inconsistent with their usual taste, which is, I guess, pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. That if somebody would think that because I listen to Britney Spears that, um, I don't know, that I'm a girl or... That is interesting because, it, like like you're saying, it, it implies that that you know there there's some uh, like core taste, I guess, is what they really right, mean. right, right. And it's funny that that services like ours can deconstruct your core taste. Like you think you have certain tastes, but you really don't. Like you're like, I love rock music. Well, yeah. Well, I don't know. Thirty percent of the stuff you listened to yesterday was all in sync. So. <laughs> You know, um, it's it's finding things I, I, out about yourself that you didn't even know. I think I can understand a little bit of the not my core taste. I know at one point I um, there was a website where you could upload your iTunes library XML file or something like that, and it would yeah I remember say things about you. And mm. it turns out that the artist who who's I have more discs by Jimmy Buffett than anyone else. Wow! Would, congratulations. I, I wouldn't have called Jimmy Buffett my favorite. I wouldn't have called him my top 10. I'm not sure I'd have called him my top 25. I distinctly right. remember, however, being given a stack of Jimmy Buffett discs. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, there, and there you go. <laughs> there you go. So. Unloaded the complete fish collection. But when I, when I listen, <laughs> when I listen um, you know, th- those guys don't pop up very often. Right. So I, I think listening maybe solves, you know, going with something like Last FM or Pandora kind of solves that problem because if you only like Britney Spears every now and then, you should only listen to it every now and then. By we, the way, we actually have a pretty good Phillies four, Rays three, top of the ninth. Oh boy, I'm from Philadelphia. Oh yeah. Oh, go <laughs> Phillies! <laughs> Woohoo! You know, they at are, some point they, we should. They are three outs away. For the archive, we should mention that the uh, the first game of the World Series 2008 was delayed only a couple of minutes for the uh, political infomercial earlier tonight and is currently <laughs> underway. Yeah, oh, this boy. one was delayed two days. <laughs> well, Philadelphia is going to explode. They're going to yeah, explode. Yeah, it looks good. Lidge is in, so, you know, yeah, I don't think he's blown a save all year. And it's There's probably going to be some embarrassing photographs floating around online tomorrow. <laughs> there could, <laughs> could well be. And you yeah. know what? I'll say 75% of them are going to be me because I'm going to get <laughs> We're going to get one of those uh, going out for a lot of beers statuses soon, followed by a yeah. series of incriminating photos. Well, the Phillies have only ever won once, right? Yeah, 1980. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, what else the last championship uh, survey say? The survey said that, survey says, uh, okay, so we started with uh, the inconsistent to usual taste was the first reason uh, why they're embarrassed by guilty pleasures. I like this second one. 35% said unpopular with friends and family, <laughs> um, which is pretty pretty interesting that things that they like, they're, they're ashamed of it because their friends or family might not like. You know, do you, you worry know about that? that? Do you, go do you ahead. ever listen to something and go, oh, my goodness, if my friends knew I listened to this, they would really no. give me crap? You know what's really I, interesting is, and just let me say it before I forget it because, you know, that's the way my poor aging brain works. Um, <laughs> one of the things that uh, the, kind of the basis or, or the original basis anyway of my wife and my relationship was that we had – such remarkably similar taste, both very broad, very eclectic, but really, you know, kind of remarkably 
similar. So think about it. What's the corollary of that? The areas where we disagree become very charged because we're used to getting along. We're used to having similar tastes. We're used to liking the same thing. So when something comes along, you know, whatever it may and we're and we're tending to uh, participate in these things, to hear, watch, listen together, you know, because we don't have that much time. It's usually kind of, you know, it's at night we're talking about, basically. Right. Uh, and... And so, you know, when there is disagreement then, it kind of hits us both like, wow, you know, I wasn't anticipating that, wasn't expecting that. And and it really can ha- has, from time to time, you know, caused kind of major arguments because it kind of undermines the whole foundation of the relationship. And so uh, that's really a good point. I just, so I it turns into, you. I can't believe I married a man who listens to Britney Spears. Kind <laughs> of like that. One day a woman will say that. A woman will one day say, I can't believe Drew listens to Britney Spears. What would I <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, if you're, going for, if you're going for catchy dance pop, hey, yeah. she's as good as about anyone. You know, she's always oh, no, been well-produced. Uh, hey, she's on Twitter now. She's I on don't Twitter like now. The diva, I don't like the diva angle of... of uh, then, go with, then go with Nelly uh, after her first album, Nelly Furtado. Well, that's a well, that's a little different, or whatever. That's a little. I don't feel different. guilty saying that. I wouldn't feel guilty saying that. I think she actually has okay, talent. Okay, so I don't well, I, re- I I guess I relate to the first objection people gave, but not the second. Mm-hmm. Eric apparently relates to the second, maybe not the first. Here's the third. You ready for the third? Oh, this yeah. one this one blows my mind. Thirty two percent said doesn't fit the image they try to portray. Ooh. Oh, oh, because that, you know why. Because you right. are, you be. I should say, you become who you pretend to be. Yes, yeah. You know, I I actually understand that one, but not on my own behalf. And I don't know how much more I can say without my wife storming into my office and, uh, and yanking, <laughs> yanking the microphone away. But I completely understand why someone would not want to have their listening taste, watching taste, reading taste. Uh, known. <laughs> I remember about a year and a half ago, <clears throat> it was it was social, you know, through social media that I was finally outed as a Mac fanboy. I'd been completely anti Mac for years. Oh, just oh, I hated it, hated the culture. And then somebody noticed that I had started sharing on Google Reader a whole lot of Mac news, and they're like, uh, and you started subscribing to like, you know, the unofficial Apple weblog, and what's this about? And yeah, just fireball. by sharing stuff, just by sharing stuff, I kind of outed myself. And that Drew's a Mac fanboy. Nice. That's because on a podcast, I actually said if I ever ever purchase a Mac product, like an, a computer, that I would uh, do a pole dance as a, dressed up as a nun. <laughs> now, is there a video of the uh, nun pole dance on the web? I I'm a little curious. Um, there is video of it, but I don't know if it's on the web yet. I'm sure it will get find its way there, and then it'll find its way in strands, and it'll there you go. It'll be everywhere at that point. We had a sex counselor on the afternoon show months really? back, and yeah, she advocated uh, a polls for every bedroom. Every bedroom, <laughs> every bedroom. have a That's- poll. You know what? That's a, something that Obama should get behind. Polls in every bedroom. I agree. And we're, and we're not talking you know, about the East, the East European country either. 
forget the whole insurance for everyone and, you know, education for children. We need poles in every bedroom. And that chicken is, in every pot. That's a flat tax credit. I so like basically it. What, we, what we've learned from this survey is you, you think that you might think that you're into one thing and uh, it's your actions, your input, you know, your, uh, the things that you do, not explicitly, but just that you imply through your activity is what it says about you. And that's pretty interesting. Well, you know what else it says is that it, it says that people, even with all of this, supposedly we're in this era, you know, of, of just amazing self-revelation. It shows that people uh-huh. are still very self-conscious and yeah. that they are, in fact, managing the, right. the persona that they present. Right. Or at least but at the same time, in the, in the high number, a high percentage of people still sharing, it seems like they're doing it anyway. So... Um, you know, the good thing about services like Strands are that you can choose what you share and what you don't. So, you know, me, I'm somebody who shares everything. I really don't care. Um, you know, uh, back in, in the trouble. Back in 1996, I actually had a, a company with which I was interviewing for a job found my blog and disagreed with my politics. I was a bit more ardent uh, back then about my politics. And um, I, I thought it was all over. It turns out that they scolded me and lectured me on my politics and then offered me a job anyway. But I get, I get why people are, are still a little scared. I'm actually a little surprised that your, your survey, you know, that more people were, were open. There are as many people were open as they are. Um, yeah. It turns out that I've gone from being, you know, I was one of the first bloggers back in 95 um, right. People thought I was crazy for putting so much of my life on the web. Now it turns out, you know, I, I kind of don't want my musical taste out there. Although I don't know, I you may have convinced me tonight. I may I may hook up Last FM. Um, well, I you don't even have to do that. Here, give this a shot. Um, we have a software strands tracker. Um, you can download it at strands.com front slash downloads. It's for Mac and PC. Oh, okay. um, even though you know, screw PCs. It's all about Mac, right? Well, sure. <laughs> I flip a lot. I'm a politician. Um, but what you can do is you can download it, and once the song completes, uh, it'll post your strand, what we call your strand, which is your taste stream. Um, so if you skip, it's not going to make its way in there. It won't get recorded. Um, so basically, by set by listening to the entire song, and actually we have a plug-in. Uh, it plugs into iTunes and Songbird, so whichever one you prefer. Um, I've been using Songbird a lot lately. Uh, you know, you can share what you listen to, or you can do Last FM or Pandora, or actually, you can share an MP3 file, or you can type it in yourself. And if you just want to share a song, hey, share as, long, a song. as long as it handles iTunes and Pandora, my entire listening uh, schedule is covered. I will tell you that uh, you know, Strands, of course, is in a private beta. I did just request mm-hmm. an invitation to join. So mm-hmm. if uh, if you've got any authority over that, you can. Uh, I certainly do. Um, <laughs> if anybody wants, if anybody wants an invitation, an immediate invitation, you can email me at drewatstrands.com. If you don't mind waiting a day or so, or or what have you, you can use the promo code Drew, um, and let us know what you think. Because what we're doing is building the service based on feedback. Uh, that's why we're still in private beta because the feedback we've gotten is so awesome, and uh, everybody's been really supportive. We've been sending T-shirts out everywhere, and um, we want to build something that people want to use. Uh, we could build it for us, and we could build it for for ton, you know for tons of geeks like me. But 
really? You know, my new philosophy is if my mom can't figure out how to get it, can't waste her time because it's never going to get anywhere. That's a good point. Oh, yeah, we are. Gosh. Well, yeah, we have. We've reached the end of the show. Kind of reached the end of the show. We did on everything, didn't we? We talked about a lot, and it went fast. It was great talking to you, Drew. Really enjoyed it. it you were, and, and you between guys. the two of you, I have to admit, you did give me a different perspective on the, you know, I'm, I'm less negatively inclined uh, toward the whole uh, sharing my life uh, situation. I Like well, Philip, the I did we lose, Hold on. Before we lose our live listeners, Go ahead. Uh, the site is strands.com. Thanks to uh, Drew Olinoff for talking with us. And uh, in about 10 seconds, we're going to lose live listeners, but you'll be able to catch the after show by uh, checking out the download. So, sorry, go ahead and finish your thought, Eric. Oh, I was just going to say that, um, like you were saying, Philip, I mean, you know, for several years, uh, I was writing uh, daily. And and after two, three years even uh, with blog critics and dozens of writers, I think even after three years, I'd still written something like, 40% 40% of all the stories we'd ever published. And I was pretty free about writing, you know, I mean, a lot of it was, was kind of uh, generic in terms of structure. In other words, a review or a, a news story or whatever. But I did a fair amount of, of, of kind of personal-ish essay stuff too. And, and, and I realized kind of going back over some of my stories, I did a review at one point, just kind of scanned over them. And I realized I'd really said a lot about, you know, my family and my daily life. Sure. And if you really wanted to piece it all together, you certainly could. So it's not that I'm opposed to it. And and as a writer, you know, I, I certainly am not opposed to sharing a fair amount about myself. I suppose I like it in a more contained and controlled setting, right. I suppose, where I have a chance to kind of, you know, ponder it and edit it and, and do a good just, job on it. I just it. want to toss this out, too. You can actually set up uh, what we allow you to do is you can set up groups on strands and actually mark posts as private or just send them to specific groups. Oh. So if you just want to send what you listen to to, like, a group of your family and friends that contain 10 people, I think that's an awesome way to use strands. It's not about broadcasing in the world. It's broadcasting well, the other, who you want the other to. Thing, the other thing, too, and Drew, maybe you can tell me if you've seen this just with your experience with strands. It, sure. it seems that, like, you know, back when I started in 95, most people thought I was crazy for blogging about as many personal things as I did. Oh, um, yeah. By 2005, though, it was, it was just kind of one of those things. When you're, when you're the only drip in a room, all, all eyes are on you. When you're a drip in an ocean... Um, right. It's just it suddenly the, the you know differing political views or even I don't know bizarre sexual practices or strange habits <laughs> or you know Birth whatever children yeah. yeah whatever shows up on your blog it just almost doesn't matter anymore simply because right. such a large percentage of people are doing it now exactly and and uh, it's a it's a it's a representation of of who you are. And a lot of uh, successful bloggers have done a really good job infusing who they are into their blog and into their writing. And sometimes personal things happen. Louis Gray is a perfect example of that. He just had twins five months ago. He's had a call out for startups to send him, like, baby clothes. So his, his, his twins have worn friend feed uh, outfits and strands outfits. And, you know, he's got little Google onesies, you know. <laughs> He does video with them. He's, you know, he he's he's sure. saying this is this is the way I live and this is the way I do things and 
And his you know, kids will grow up into that generation. Maybe here's an analogy that just popped in my head. When you're the one naked guy on the beach, you're going to be, you know, you're going to get some attention. But when you're yeah. one guy on a nudist beach, well, who cares at that point? Yeah, that's well, a good point. Maybe I, maybe I care, but I, I still think the analogy is apt. I personally don't go to nude beaches. Uh, it's not, uh, that's not what I want to portray through my case. <laughs> um, I'm not a new teacher. See, this is guy, one of those things hey. that you're not going to let out onto your Strands account because it doesn't line up with your public image, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, nobody. All right. Wants well, the Phillies won. Phillies win. The Phillies won. Phillies win. Phillies win. Phillies win. Phillies win. Woo! Awesome. All right. I'm going to go party. Watch out for crazy tweets. Tweets and pictures. All right. Bye, bye, guys. Bye, Drew. All right, well, uh, thanks again to Drew Olinoff, and uh, do visit strands.com. And as always, of course, enormous thanks to you, Eric, for hosting the show, although I guess I blabbed a bit on this, uh, this particular episode. Uh, the next time we meet, one week from tonight, we should know who the next president of the United States will be. I hope everybody has a happy Halloween between now and then. I'm Philip Wynn. This has been BC Radio Live. We do broadcast live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, so be sure to visit us live to participate in the chat room and watch the live video feed. If you missed the live broadcast, audio archives are available online, or you can subscribe to the podcast to have BC Radio Live delivered to you automatically each week. Uh, if you're hearing me speak right now, then you actually already know this, because we ran past the live broadcast and uh, got a few minutes of the after show here. Until next week, have a happy and safe Halloween.